Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Hello and you're very welcome along to After the Gold Rush Meads Beyond Boiling, a new three-part podcast series with myself, David Sheehan, which is available on lmfm.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, we're just over 15 years on since Sean Boylan stepped down as Mead's manager, and a little bit later in 2021, it'll be 20 years since the Royals last appeared in an All-Ireland final. A lot of water has passed under the bridge since then, and a lot of managers have been and gone too, as Mead tried in vain to recapture former glories. Now, over the next three weeks, we'll be looking back through the archives in the company of former Mead players from that era, as they reminisce on a time that had its fair share of drama period this podcast is going to focus on is the final year of Sean Boylan's reign and the tenures of Eamon Barry and Colm Coyle in what was arguably the most volatile period in Meath football's recent history both on and off the field. A new episode will be available every Friday, each one looking back at the games and events that our guests were involved in. Now, while it wasn't a particularly successful period for me, it was, I think, a really interesting time as they struggled to adjust to life without Sean Boylan. With that, here's episode one, Boylan's curtain call in the company of former Meath forward Brian Farrell and former captain Anthony Moyles. So, Anthony, I suppose starting with you, given that you've been on the, the panel the, the lot longer than Brian. Brian was only into the panel in 05. Um, looking back through from, from 01 when, when Mead were in the All-Ireland final, 02 lost to Dublin in the Leinster semi-final, beaten by Donegal in the qualifiers. 03 lost to Fermanagh in the qualifiers. Again, in 04 lost to Fermanagh. Was there any kind of sense in the squad? Again, it's probably easier looking back on it now, but did you feel like this thing was, was kind of coming to an end? Because that, that, that game against Dublin in 05 as I was saying to you earlier offline, only four survivors from the 2001 All-Ireland, which was a huge turnaround in, in players. Did you feel like something else was building or did you get the sense that maybe this was starting to come to a halt? Um, I, I, you probably don't really get a sense of it when you're, when you're playing. Um, like there was obviously a lot of talk around and there was a lot of speculation around about, about Sean. <laughs> Um, and his tenure, um, and you know, there was definitely a lot of pressure being applied. I, and and from what I had seen over the previous couple of years, Sean was he he was definitely pulling out every stop he could. You know, he was bringing in 
I suppose, help, um, you know, and trying to bring a different look on it. Uh, he was always pretty innovative. Um, and I don't know if you remember Farlow, but he, he kind of brought in a, a, a fella, I can't remember, Shea, I think was his name. He was like a rugby coach. And his whole idea was he wanted us kind of offloading the ball or coming at different angles, you know, of attack, which was, you know, simple stuff now but back in the day it was it was pretty inventive um he he just had he i'd say he felt himself he needed to try to change things up which he obviously had done in the previous number of years um and you know i suppose some people may have felt that he was he, he was he was remaining loyal to some lads on the panel um and some lads who were probably there from the previous kind of 10 years uh, uh so but like look you know you can you can understand it uh, you know as you get older now that if there's fellas there who, who've done it for you before you know you're always going to kind of I suppose back them, um, and I think I think the soundings around the county were at the time that you know maybe that it was time for a change. And look, you know yourself; these things build very, very quickly. Um, and and you know if the results aren't going your way, regardless of of how close or how otherwise they were, um, you know his 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 I suppose his 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 neck was on the line. Um, and 05 was 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 a strange season, uh, you know, a very strange season. Um, like, I mean, the, the, the couple of years, like post-01, I think, you know, the fallout obviously from 01 was the fact that, you know, to, 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 to go down in the manner uh, that we did in the final, I suppose, was the big one, especially after the semi-final and the high of the semi-final. Like, I mean, and the county just being in, in raptures, you know, um, and like, I remember a training session in, in, in Dunsany and it was just, it was just mental. There was like, I mean, the, you, you actually took about 15, 20 minutes to get from the corner of the pitch in Dunsany into the dressing room, which is only about 10 meters like there was so many kids so many people around and there was a real feeling of whether it seeped into the players or not of you know that uh obviously the team was going well like i mean it was a seriously talented squad um and an unbelievable team so i suppose you know he tried to rebuild he tried to change things around a bit um and i don't think he was probably that far off you know and if it had been his first year or two you know i think people would have said yeah you, you keep her lit but i'd say you know obviously the the the, the knives were out in in certain quarters and um yeah that was that was it and um, brian you were you were one of the five debutants, actually. I mean, most people will remember the 96 All-Ireland win and those five new faces on that team. You came in in 05 with Kevin Riley, Keevan King, Paderborn, uh, Brayer and, and yourself starting against Dublin. Four points against Dublin in that in that Leinster uh, quarterfinal, which was a, a fairly a fairly good debut for yourself. How did you find the, the mood in the camp when you came in? Again, I suppose you hadn't been there uh, that long at that point, but did you kind of sense that there was a good mood in the camp, that, that things were, were moving along? I mean... It's only been, it had only been like what four years at that stage or at the beginning of that season, three years since me they won the Leinster. But back then that was that was seen as a huge drought. But was there a good mood in the in the camp at that point when you joined? Yeah, do you know I was actually knocking about the panel from when I came out from minor in 03 and didn't make the didn't make the uh, championship panel in 03 and went into 04 and that was my first time on the panel like I had a, made my championship debut actually in 04 coming off the bench so that was my first start in 05 okay. but I wouldn't have been aware probably of the movements away off the pitch with regards kind of the end of Sean's period was, was, was coming you know so it was only at the end of 04 when Fermanagh beat us down in Brewster Park that there was a bit of a sour taste left there there was 
there was a couple of unused subs, young guys, and Anthony alluded to there that there was probably a bit of a loyalty to the old guard. And that's when it started kind of, I suppose, to spark and it was probably lit with regards kind of the move against Sean from mostly probably from outside the outside of the the football changing room. But um then <clears throat> obviously we went into two thousand and five and it was a strange year. Like we we totally believed in that first game we could beat Dublin. Um and probably Sean had opened up to the, the fact that there was an, uh, an influx of youth required. So as you said there, there was five lads giving their, their debuts in that, which probably was unheard of apart from uh, 96 there to throw them in against Dublin that were, I suppose, a seasoned enough Dublin out for that that time. Um, and that probably came with the pressure from losing against with the, with the old guard in 04 and a few guys stepped aside at that time. Um and then obviously the the year petered out. That was a game that we absolutely definitely should have won two thousand and five. Um, like you alluded to some parts of the game there. All I can remember is the defeat. I think it was twelve ten or one twelve to one ten. One twelve to one ten, um, yeah. And like we were in the driving seat for most of it and lost to a couple of frees at the end with um that bl- the blonde hair going bottom. <laughs> Um, so like it was then it was kind of at that time like when you lost in the Leinster Championship and when we fully expected to win it was a big kind of a, it was all about trying to regroup for the qualifiers they came quick and fast and I think we had Antrim straight after that you know so it kind of went from the high of nearly beating Dublin to down to back to playing your Antrim Leitrim and Cavan you know and it then ultimately petered out there mm. Anthony one of the things that I remember we talked about this before off the record I guess that Dublin game it, I can't find it anywhere online. Someone must have taken it off because the, the big incident in that was right at the throw-in, as you remember, when I think you said you turned around and Nigel Crawford was halfway to the deck because Kieran Whelan gave him a slap. But the one thing that kind of struck me, and again, times move on, but I, I just kind of thought if that had happened in, in 88 or even in 96, there would have been an all-out brawl. Do you nearly regret now not not piling in there? And Because, I mean, obviously we know Kieran Whelan got a yellow card. I'm sure you thought he was going to get a red, but... It was a very strange incident, and even even thinking back on it now. Yeah, um, I think when I turned around and saw it happening, I just said, well, "That's that's the straightest red I've ever seen." <laughs> I thought to myself, "He's gone," and I kind of thought, "Well, that's great because obviously Whelan was, you know, the heartbeat of that team. He was the talisman, and he was one of the fellows that they they rallied around when things were were." And if you remember, Farlow, he he had a serious game that day. After that, um, his influence was 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 as it as it normally is. But I remember, I think uh, Bannon may may have been the referee. I remember, but and I remember just saying, I I just looked at him and said he ha- he has to go. And I could I just couldn't believe when he put out the the the, the yellow card. I don't think Whelan could believe it. Certainly, Nigel couldn't believe. It. But yeah, it was probably one where you said, well, should have should you have clocked him? And then you think, well, you know, he'd probably put both of us off um, he'd take that route but you know I don't think look that wasn't the winning or the losing of the game either I think like Farley we dominated that game for a long period of time Vaughan kicked two outrageously like the, the last one I think was 50 odd metres could have been even longer than that um, he was a bit of an enigma I suppose but we had a lot of youth in the team and I think we had even even some of the older fellas such as myself who hadn't really got a lot of game time in the previous couple of years Niall McCaig and a few others we you know we, we took our opportunity I suppose that day and it's 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 an awful pity the way it petered out because I think in those first few years and I think Farrell would agree we, we, we probably went into qualifiers especially in 0304 it, it was nearly like oh geez not these things again you know there was a it, there was a horrible feeling around the qualifiers no matter what 
I suppose Sean or, or whomever else even after that tried to do it. It's really, it's a mental game, you know, the qualifiers as much as anything. Um, and although we got a couple of wins, I'll always remember the cabin day. It was a roasting hot day in, uh, in Clonus and we got stuck in traffic on the way in and we were on Pat Kelly's bus. I remember, I don't think Pat had too much AC at the time. Um, and let's just say it was a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a sauna on the bus and we were really, really late getting in, uh, I think we were literally, I think the warm-up had to be cut short, everything. It was just, it was just, everything about it was just messy. It was just a messy, messy day. I think Sean was getting very ag- agitated. Um, we were trying to get a, 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 a guard escort down. Um, and just the game itself was a dour, dour game. And we just couldn't get going. I think we missed an awful lot in the first half. Um, and we just couldn't get going as a team. And, and maybe there was an air of inevitability about it, you know, and maybe there was an air of, well, we have to, you know, there, there has to be a rebuild here. Um, but to be fair to Sean, I think he had actually noticed that himself and had started to do it as, as Farlow says. Like five five debutants in a, in a championship game is, is is pretty serious. Yeah, and, and the mean, other the other thing about that is he was pulling out all the stops you mentioned earlier. Like I remember, I think it was between 04 and 05, he had us up in Sandyford doing VO2 max testing with polar watches, training within like with heart rate monitors, going doing our own bits and pieces, training within the zones. For th- this was unheard of in GA, you know. So right. he was go- doing everything he could. He also was probably we were probably one of the first teams actually to get introduced to probably after your Armas and Tyrone straight into strength and conditioning. We we went into and it was alien for a lot of us. Like I was involved in meet underage teams the whole way up, coming from minors straight in, and we never lifted a weight, you know. And we had a, a proper gym set up in both for college, you know. We was big into it. There was lads packing on kilograms, you know. So uh, the innovative approach he took to that, and then going back to your, the old five there, where um, the Kieran Whelan, where that that was obviously a, a straight red all day long. We probably didn't have like if that had been two years later yeah we would have piled in like what happened in Parnell Park but we ended up with seven lads suspended then for the championship but we didn't have the players probably to do that you were talking five debutants there's a lad in his debut game say he's not going to run run into a stalwart like Kieran Whelan or risk getting sent off in front of a full house there in your first game so we just didn't have that Miles he probably took one should have took one for the team there a, a Kyle or Liam McHale job you know but he, he didn't it was Probably too far helped. away. Couldn't get up. <laughs> <laughs> and when when you look through the the, the games that year, I mean, um, yeah. you know, Dublin beat you. You beat Antrim as you said there. I think it was five goals in that one. I think uh, I think Rayer got a couple yeah. that day. Leitrim after extra time, then down in Carrick and Shannon, which that was a, a serious battle. I remember being down at that one, and that was a real get out of jail job. I think Ollie Murphy equalised at the end of normal time, and then they bring Gary get a, a goal in, in in extra time. But that that game against Cavan as you said there Anthony I I remember being at it and there was just a sense of it It was a really flat performance and that kind of we're so used to over the years seeing me teams not playing well but digging out results and in that particular match as you said there you just couldn't just couldn't get things going and maybe the as you said the journey to the game and everything else everything else about that day as a whole just didn't go for you but there just didn't seem to be that that bit of inspiration that were usually there with me teams and and I, I think people didn't know whether it was that Sean just didn't have the Maybe the motivational skills, or if the players weren't weren't quite good enough, or weren't good as as good as the, the generation before. Of course, it's always difficult to compare, but that was the kind of feeling that there just wasn't that same spark. Was there a sense of frustration in the squad that you were you were nearly there, but you just couldn't quite get things to click? Well, I think you know, looking back on it, I think there was this probably. <laughs> and you'd argue whether it's still there now, you know, um, to a certain degree, but. 
Look, I mean, I, I probably would have spoken about it where there was this kind of nearly this level of arrogance where, where we were coming in to play certain teams, you know, and say, so for Mana in 04 or, or, you know, before that, like that was a series for Mana team, like sprinkled with talent. Um, and they went and showed, I think they got to an All-Ireland semi-final. Like, I mean, they showed, I remember we were always kind of slagging at the time saying, Jason, we've set off another team because we came up against a couple of teams in those qualifiers who inevitably beat us, but they then went and really propelled forward. Now, I know Cavan, I think Cavan were bet by Mayo that year, but only just beaten by Mayo, Um, uh, you know, and, and, uh, that was a decent cabin team. It was a very good cabin team. McCabe in midfield, they had a couple of the Rileys obviously up front. Like they were a very, very strong team. But, you know, did we expect to beat them? Did we go in with that attitude? I don't think so. Um, I don't think there was any arrogance within the squad, but maybe there was this air of, oh, we should be beating these as a county, um, which probably needed to change because the 01 era had had very much passed us, but it was, it was gone. Like, I mean, that, that generation of footballers was finished. Um, and, I think, you know, certainly when I look back on it, the squad that had been building since 05, 06, 07, I don't think we really got the credit now, I would say that, but I don't think genuinely that that squad got the credit that it did get because it was very, very close and it it came upon teams where I think there was a convergence of talent. You know, you didn't just have six at the top and then everyone else was the cannon fodder. I think you had teams who were starting to get into SNC, who were starting to get into much more tactics, you know, the management of the game, the execution of the game. So you had a lot of, you had, you had your usual really at the top tier, your, 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 your carries, you know, of the time. Um, and then you had a good cohort of people and Dublin were in that mix, obviously then, you know, because all of our games at the time against Dublin were very, very close. Um, and there was one or two, which we, which we probably left behind us really. And I think if we had won them, even, even in 05, if we had won that game, God knows what would have happened, you know, and would Sean have maybe remained on because it probably with a young squad like that, it probably just took a little bit of confidence. Cause if you look back in that Dublin team, that was actually quite an experienced Dublin team at the time um, um, and a very strong team. Um, so it's, you know, I, I suppose it, it's a tricky one, Dave, in the sense of, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to think. Like, it all wasn't, obviously, it all wasn't at Sean's door. There's, there's no doubt about it. Was it all at the player's store? I don't know. Was it was it this weight of inevitability, as I say, around the Sean? Because obviously, we weren't we weren't ignorant to it. Um, I think it was just a culmination of, of, of all of that. And maybe just, just a bad performance on a day that caught us. I suppose it might be a difficult question. You mentioned all the things that he was doing. But did you, like, for example, I only came across this the other day, but there was an article... With Colin Keyes, um, that Cormac Murphy did in 04, where he he used the word stale, things have gone stale, and he was basically calling for, for Sean to go. So, along with the with maybe the clubs and that feeling that there's a change needed, Cormac Murphy, who would have been Sean, one of Sean's like loyal lieutenants through the successful years, was coming out and saying maybe he, he needs to go as well. Did you did you think that yourself? Was there any part of you that thought? maybe it is time for change even though obviously there's been huge success and he's one of the, the well not one of the the most successful manager me has ever had did you any part of you think maybe it is time for a change um you know i don't know i i i don't know a couple of years in the sense of you know i i i obviously you know made my championship debut in 2000 um the ill-fated game against uh, Offaly and then there was no back door so you were gone so 0-1 I started against Westmead and I was sent off against Westmead in the first round so I then obviously was suspended for I think four weeks or maybe eight weeks for 
whatever I, I was alleged to have done and uh, obviously didn't do. Um, and then I did my hamstring. So I kind of had a weird couple of years. And then I was actually playing quite well for the club. Like, obviously, Black Hall, we won the championship and all. So, I, I, I mean, I was, I was motoring well and I just couldn't break into the team. Um, and I remember that night against... Loud, obviously, which Farlow remembered when you know we stole the game in Navan. Um, Joe was was being warmed up, and Joe would have only been a kid at the time. I think it was his first year in. And I remember just thinking to myself, oh, geez, I'm, I'm surplus the requirements here." And I obviously knew Sean from Dunboyne and everything else, and close to my family. And I was kind of thinking, but I never harbored any major grudge with regard to he should be gone. I just said, you know, I was kind of going through a bit of a slump myself, as in. Like, is this stuff really for me? Uh, is intercounty? Am I good enough? Obviously, I, I, I at the time I was. I remember one particular time I was, I was, I was in here in, in work in Dublin, and I was walking around Stephen's Green with a good pal of mine. I was saying, "Listen, I'm going to give this thing up," and I think that was oh five, oh six, or maybe oh four, oh five. Um, and I suppose my, if I was to be very honest, I probably would have said, you know, he, he that Sean was very loyal to certain fellas, and I was not getting my chance because of that. I think there was probably another couple of lads who were of a similar age myself, who I mentioned before, who might have been thinking the same thing. Now it's not that we were dragging it down. Um, at least I hope we, I hope we weren't. Um, but like I mean, I, I suppose we were maybe a bit immature about our own performances, and and, and I know myself, I I was over analysing things way too much. I actually just had to play and just enjoy football. Um, and I think, you know, I don't know if I was saying this to you, but I I, I get the sense a lot of times maybe even with some players at the moment that there's this this thing of going out and playing inter county it's 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 this thing of like a job you know like it's it's something to endure rather than something to enjoy um and i know my last couple of years and say from 06 07 on i just said off you know i'm just going to enjoy this i'm just going to go out and play like i'm playing for the club um and just enjoy actually playing football and and i think when you get that that mindset in your head I think then things can flow for you, you know, and you can actually start to maybe play above the level that you're at. Um, I don't think Farlow ever had that problem because he always believed in himself and he, he never had any bother kicking points left or right. <laughs> <laughs> some, days it, some, some days I did. But just going back to that, like with that, like it would have been hard for us, like Milesy was kind of breaking into it on and off and I was just new in. So it's kind of it's kind of hard probably for us to say, oh yeah, there was this overriding factor within the camp that things have gone stale. But what I will say is outside of the camp, there was an over, ex- I suppose, the, the Mead um, supporters there was there was like they were expecting the team to compete for Leinster's every single year from they got lost at All-Ireland final in 01 right through so there's a 10 year period there where Mead supporters were looking at and that probably influenced maybe seeped into some guys and they were kind of like oh well, something's wrong we're not, we're not we're not winning Leinster's here you know what I mean so I remember in 04 um, I was in a new sub down in uh, Brewster Park and the abuse that Sean was subject to from coming from the stands that day was something I really? obviously only first year in never experienced before and possibly have never experienced since that apart from that day in Cavan so that was 04 and 05 and that came from a, a demand from the supporters and there was no there was no uh, I suppose exception there that there's four or five new guys after being put in there in 05 you know they just yeah. wanted success and they were baying for blood at that time and as we spoke about there offline, like it reflected in how the closeness in the years prior to that with the votes between Sean and Eamon Barry were, were every time Eamon Barry ran against them for, for a vote, you know, or for the, for the position. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Just going back to that 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 last game, uh, what turned out to be Sean's last game in, in charge against Cavan, and I was looking at the match report, and and there was there was hints in the in the paper that that maybe it was his last game, and he said afterwards that you know this isn't the time to, to discuss my future. Again, it's a long time ago, I know, but do you remember the dressing room after that game at all, or, or what the atmosphere was like, or if you got any sense? Because we know he, he stepped down kind of out of the blue, really, later on that year. But did you get any sense after that game against Cavan that that, that that was it? Did he give you any kind of Hint that he might be going, Anthony. I don't. I don't know. Like I mean, it probably just was the usual <laughs> desolation. Um, and typical Sean, he obviously would have went away and just would have spoke with people that he trusted and people that he, he valued their opinions. And then, like I mean, Sean, uh, you know, he 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 always put and 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 um, he was like I mean, never mind the fact that as Farlow was quite rightly saying his innovative approach and his th- his thought process of trying to bring different things to it, um, and trying to always give the best to players, you know, like. You know, you know all the stories like of, of Keypack, obviously, and food after training before nearly any other county was doing it. All those different things. So he put players first, um, and his loyalty to players was exceptional. You know, and and like I'm questioning it, it, it there, but if I was one of those loyal players, I would be absolutely respecting the fact that he has is putting his trust in 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 in, in me again, um, as he did later on. But it's it's. You know, I, I don't think no one got anyone got the sense. Like, I mean, I I, I missed that what Farlow was saying. I do know there was a massive cohort who, who and of course, it, it, it's a byproduct of obviously having success. That you know, you see it obviously in in the likes of soccer all the time. That clubs that then don't have success, someone who comes in, there's like no time. You can't have any time to build. Just get rid of them, get the next fella in. And I think, unfortunately for GAA, that did start to kind of seep in. Um, and maybe it was it, it was an expectation, uh, whether it was founded or not, uh, of me supporters. And of course, subsequently. You know, the expectation should have been, well, actually, instead of just calling for the top man's head, we should be making sure that there's a 
a, a conveyor belt of talent coming up. Um, and whereas other counties, and listen, we've we've spoken about this loads of times, but whereas there's other counties such as Dublin and everything else who are who are looking to keep the funnel as wide as possible and developing at at at, at juvenile level, levels, there was just this expectation that we would could continue to keep producing teams a la 01, 99, 96, which which was never going to happen unless that conveyor belt was was being as, as utilized as much as possible, you know. Yeah. Um and Brian, just back to you then. I mean, as I said, we'll we'll touch on the we'll get into the Eamon Barry era in more detail and everything that came with that in the next episode. But you know, Sean stepped down, it was the end of August. Um the the, the kind of the stories that you kind of hear were that as I, as you mentioned there, Eamon Barry had run him relatively close the year before. I think there was only thirteen votes in it in 04 and there was a there was a maybe a suggestion that if he ran again he would be beaten in a vote and nobody wanted to see Sean beaten in a vote and maybe the best thing to do would be to step down. Now again that's I'm not saying that's fact, but that's the kind of one of the one of the suggestions that was going around at the time. But did you were you surprised when you when you heard he stepped down again? We're we're, we're talking about fifteen years ago here or so, but when you heard Brian that, that he was going, did you remember kind of what you thought about it or or was it a big shock? Like um I can't really remember the actual like the, the time frame around when it happened. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember from that game and I'd say that game was a shock to Sean. Probably number one our performance. He was after he was after seeing a real fresh, invigorated performance against Dublin up in Crow Park in front of eighty thousand, then brought us down to Clonus and we just didn't perform a really low scoring dour game. So we've probably shocked at that. Shock going off the pitch with the vile abuse he was subject to from elements of the supporters there. And I remember in the dressing room after, it just wasn't the same. It was, I won't say it was sour, but it was just different. And I remember on that bus journey home, not a lot of people was on the bus home. A lot of people went their separate ways, which is always not, not a great sign of unity at the time. And he probably just went away and, and considered all these options. And as you said there, that he was probably going to face a challenge from him and Barry coming in and he probably said now is the right time like what did, do I owe me the football and probably looked at the conveyor belt coming along and as Moyles he said there like everyone was expecting these ads to come along but they just weren't there like we hadn't like yeah in 02 we'd hit Leinster minor final and All-Ireland minor final but there wasn't much in the lead up to that you know it regards successful minor and under 21 teams that he had like a golden era of players to pick from, you know? So he probably had to weigh all that into account with his personal circumstances. And he just said, no, the time's not, it's not for me. I've done, I've done my bit, you know? And what I'll say about him is like, would you say that Sean is the best coach that you've ever played under? Uh, no, absolutely not. You know, like I suppose a coach is, is someone that kind of teaches and uh, specialises in a particular subject so you wouldn't say that was his strong point and maybe that's what he needed he needed a real good coach to be brought in with him um, I know we tried various people there but he probably did need a good coach but would you say Sean was the best mentor he ever came across and the best leader absolutely he's top of the list and will always will be and if you go through all the lads that Sean has coached he's probably coached uh, or probably uh, led and managed probably to go to five or six hundred players have gone through his tenure during the 22 or 23 years that he's involved and there's probably 80% of them that he'd be in contact with still up until recent years or that could meet him out and have a chat with you know and there's not many um, managers that we've played in the last few in the last say 20 years that we could say yeah could just pull him beside him like I met Sean recently in the in the county not right before uh, the lockdown in the county in the county club in the chocolate was just able to pull in and we sat for having a cup of tea for an hour and a half just 
talking about old times and different connections and that. And that's the real sign of, of a mentor. And that was his ultimate, that was ultimately, that was his strongest, strongest point. And it, it, it far overweighed being a good coach, you know. Mm. And Anthony, uh, that, that Calvin game again, were you, were you on the bus, first of all, going back? Uh, I think I was. <laughs> I wouldn't like to get lost in Clonus, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, was, no was disrespect to Clonus. Was that something but, uh, that you felt that you felt as well? That kind of a bit of kind of a fragmentation a, a, a little bit there after that game. Was that something that you that you kind of recall? Uh, yeah, well, I, I think I think quite often in 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 a dressing room after a loss, um, and I know you're gonna you're gonna touch on the the couple of years. Uh, post this but uh, you know kind of, I'll I just reference kind of say Coiler's second year in 08 like there's definitely you get a sense from both a management team and say um, and you know this far obviously from managing you, know, you, you just get a sense as a manager like I'm reading Davy Fitz's book at the moment I just finished it last night it's, it's, it's an interesting book but um that the journey that the, that the time is up you know and you can't you can't put on a mask in front of 30 fellas that you've just asked to go to war with you um, and try to spoof them. You know, your the honesty is, is very, very open. Um, and it's quite, I suppose the sore is, is really there. So you're disappointed after losing the game. As Farla says, you're disappointed that, you know, you've had, you've had a performance that's been as, as good, uh, if not nearly good enough to be, to beat Dublin earlier on. Um You've had a couple of weeks to get over things. You've you've given Antrim a good trimming. I think okay, you get out of jail against Leitrim, maybe warning signs there. But you're saying to yourself, okay, and then of course it happens. So you get really disappointed. All the abuse he got, um, and and it's just, it, I suppose that that as I said is a culmination. Then when players kind of look and go, you know what, maybe actually it is time to uh, 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 you know just just finish it. Um, and players get that sense more so than anything. You know, um, and it's very, very hard to disguise it. Just finally, then, as I said, we, we will get into the, the post uh, boiling years in the next couple of episodes. But the way that it kind of transpired, Sean pulled out of the, the kind of race late enough in the day. There were calls for the process to be reopened so that players like Colm Moore, like Jerry McEntee, who wouldn't have run against Sean, could then put their names in. That was rejected. So you were left with Paddy Carr, Benny Reddy, and uh, Eamon Barry were the three that ran. Do you think? that the and again not to blame any one individual or, or a county board or Sean or anybody but the whole kind of the fact that Sean had been there for so long was was his kind of departure badly handled by by everybody uh, Anthony because it, it did leave a little bit of a there was a bit of panic then because the, the maybe certain lads that wanted to run weren't going to go against Sean and so it, it the fact that he pulled out so late we were left with this kind of situation where there were three guys in the mix for it if if maybe Sean had had given the county board more notice, do you think it could have been the transition could have been handled a little bit better? I suppose is the, the best way to put it. Um, possibly, yeah, possibly. Um, you know, I think I think a handing over of power, uh, which essentially it was after that kind of a tenure, is always tricky. You know, I think I think Sean probably. Uh, I'd, uh, look, you know, you'd have to ask his own mindset. You know, and I think a mindset would obviously be whereby, you know, if 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 I was in the job that long, you'd be thinking, okay, who am I going to bring in to learn the ropes here, um, and to try and you know, kind of 
and now he had lots of lads. He had, you know, he had Jinxie, he had Coiler, he had different fellas all the way along. So, but I'd say obviously those fellas were never going to go up against him um, if he still had the the the, the name in, in in the hat. So yes, I think the fact that it was probably so late, these fellas are either decided to do something else um and 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 there was a there was a there was a very very short window of opportunity but like i mean look you know it was still a situation where you had fellas with uh, uh, um i suppose the capabilities to step in um and put their name up like paddy carr was you know a yeah. very very good manager uh, and has, has subsequently been um and Eamon and everyone else you know who put their hand up but could it could it have allowed the likes of say coiler or someone else like that to come in a bit earlier possibly but at the same time um I think Sean, for all he had done for Mead Football, was allowed to sit back and take his time over a decision and, and not to be pressured into it. And just finally then, Brian, to you. I mean, like, you know, Eamon Barry obviously was the next man in. Massive success with Dunshockland, three in a row with them. Probably should have gotten to an All-Ireland club final or were kind of unlucky to be, be beaten in a semi-final and, and had a man down and everything in that game. So, like, he had definitely earned his, his time but you know the way the way the year went, and Anthony touched on it there. That Dublin game was a bit of a sliding doors moment, really. I mean, if, if you'd have to think that if Mead had beaten Dublin that day, no matter what happened almost after that that year, that that Sean probably would have would have been cruising through for another year. So it's it's just kind of funny how these things can can hinge almost on one result. Yeah, and it's back the old cliche, like it's tin line, you know. Like we were so close that day, you know. What like close never won the race, and I, I definitely believe. And it's only now, like when when we're talking about it, like we we're so close. Like if we had to beat Dublin, there's a quite high possibility that we would have. Like the guys had, uh, like they had the uh, the whole over Westmead from from the previous years, you know. Like then you had a Kildare team that was we probably we probably had the most times in the league. So like there was a Leinster Championship there for the taking. If we had won a Leinster Championship after introducing and five newcomers they would all we would have all kind of got more confidence from it who knows yeah I, I think if you had won that game Sean would have been still there in 2006 but like after well, like when Eamon was about to step into it like he came with, with huge huge success yeah and you're rightly said they should have won that game against Cross Malina I think Niall Kelly was sent off so like who knows what could have happened who knows what could have happened there you know so yeah. I suppose when he took over at the time Eamon Barry took over at the time Aaron Ollett, like we there was some guy is probably delighted that there was a freshness coming, a new manager coming in with three senior championships to his name and Leinster as well, Leinster club. So, you know, it wasn't like that people were going, oh, no, that's the end of Sean, this is a change. It was like, let's move on to the next stage. And as a county footballer, you don't get time to dwell on that, you know. And even the lads now, like I played under six managers, mine's probably played under five, five probably as well, you know. So, like, you, you just do not get time to dwell. It's into the next season and they're straight into the job and they're putting their stamp on things. And and just uh, again, Brian, to you, you talked you talked about Sean being being a mentor, and it's not all about coaching. You know, you had success obviously last year at Retote. Is that something you would have? You know, would you have taken a leaf out of Sean's book? I know it's very hard to, to take things kind of always from from previous managers that you've worked under. But would you have taken anything in particular from from Sean now that you're manager yourself? Yeah, well, you're always looking to take nuggets from, from from good leaders. And as I said, you're there, Sean, probably coaching, let him down, but as a leader, top class. So yeah, you definitely would. And like that time I met him, you'd be just picking his brain on, on certain things, you know, and he's someone you respect and be able to be able to run things by for four years to come, you know. So it's something that I'll always be grateful, rather than showing me how to score points or how to tackle. Um, it was more kind of how to lead people. And then going back to the way the process was, was handled when, 
he stepped down and maybe that was too late. Maybe that was because of sh- how strong Sean was. Maybe he had the, the whole, it was badly uh, conducted by the county board, but maybe that's because Sean had them in his hands. Maybe he, he, he was managing the, 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 the county board at the time. He was able to manage so many different things, you know, so who knows? And just very finally to you then, Anthony, the same as that, would you have would you have taken anything, or I'm sure you did, but was there anything in particular you would have taken from, from Sean? I know you've, you've obviously managed yourself now as well. Um, yeah, look, I mean, look, there's, as, as, as Brian rightly says, you, you try and pick up, you know, from different people certain things. Um, but I think it's just the way he's, he, 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 he was with players um, uh and even people around it, you know, like, I mean, I think, I think Sean, one of his greatest strengths, obviously when, when we look back and you think of how Meath were going, obviously during the time, the, the fact that he had obviously a very, very strong chairman in Fintan Ginnity, who, who they had plenty of rows, as he would tell you, but the fact that Fintan would nearly always support him and, and go with things and, and, and be as innovative as he was, because I'm sure, you know, if Fintan was the other way, you'd be looking around at other counties and kind of going, geez, no, no one else is doing this. Um, so Sean got their back and if you remember, like he was a hurling man originally, you know, and brought in and all the different things that he came in under and questioned himself uh, with a lot of big personalities in that dressing room. So I think his his own self-confidence is a big thing, whether he was, you know, really questioning himself underneath. He always he exudes this kind of aura um, and you know, uh, whether he walks into a room and he knows no one or knows everyone, um, you know, it looks like he knows everyone. So, and, and that's, that has to be respected. Um, and I think he always, like, I mean, people go on and, and I saw a, a whatever a, a documentary, whatever last year, you know, and talking about certain me teams and saying they were dirty and all like Sean, I, he never, ever, ever once told anyone to do anything that was, that was, that was, that was untoward, shall we say, you know, um, but he played it tough. He played it fair. The ball, if the ball was there, the ball was there to be won. Um, and he always supported players. Whether he got a red card or whether he had a terrible game, he also always, I'm far long know, he walk around the dressing room and shake everyone's hand after uh, after a win or a loss. And he would genuinely feel it. Um, some other managers go off in a huff and they'd be worrying about themselves. Whereas the first thing he would always do is worry about the players, you know, and he'd always defend the players. Um, so, like, I mean, he what he did for the county um, is 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 remarkable and you know we'd all like to have the fairy tale ending where you you know you go out in your shield um but unfortunately it, it doesn't always go that way Yeah, Anthony Moyle summing up the world of sport there perfectly at the end. You don't always get the fairy tale ending you want, and that was certainly true of Sean Boyle in his final game for Mead coming in Clonus against Cavan in 2005 in the qualifiers. Disappointing defeat for Mead. But thanks very much to Anthony and Brian Farrell for taking the time to discuss uh, that particular year and indeed the years before that. And really interesting to hear from Brian there that that game in 04 against Romano when he was uh, listening to the abuse that Sean Boylan was getting. And it's extraordinary to think back on that time now and to think that Sean Boylan was getting abuse from Mead supporters after all the success he'd brought to the county and after all the things he had done but as we said there in the piece people were so used to success that it took a little bit of getting used to Mead not being in contention for Leinster's and for All-Ireland so uh, it's certainly no excuse for giving Sean Boyle an abuse but it just goes to show you the uh, the expectation that was there as Brian Farrell mentioned uh, during that time 
Just very quickly before we go, for people that might be interested, the Meads team that took on Dublin in that Leinster quarterfinal that we mentioned, losing by two points. The Mead team that day was David Gallagher, Mark O'Reilly, Kevin Riley, and Niall McCaig, David Crimmins, Darren Fay, and Keeving King, Nigel Crawford and Anthony Moyles, Niall Kelly, Paderburn and Graham Garrity, and Joe Sheridan, Brian Farrell, and Stephen Bray. The Dublin team while they were here was Stephen Cluxon in goals. Unbelievable to think that he's still going. Paul Griffin, Paddy Christie, and Stephen O'Shockness. He was, was the full back line. Half back line was uh, Paul Casey, Barry Cahill, and Coleman Goggins. In midfield, it was Kieran Whelan and Shane Ryan. It was Collie Moore and Alan Brogan and Brian Cullen, the half forward line. And Jason Sherlock, Conal Keeney, and Mossy Quinn was the full forward line. And Mark Vaughan, one of many substitutions for Dublin that day, coming on at half time for Jason Sherlock and landing those two late scores that the lads mentioned there. He had a big hand in that defeat for me, but it was a very encouraging performance from the Royal County. They just couldn't back it up in the qualifiers, as uh, Anthony alluded to there. They always often struggled to raise their game for the qualifiers, and it was probably not until 2007 that they really got to grips with it. And that's something that we'll be talking about in episode three. Just one other thing to mention before we go that I came across when we were uh, looking through the archives there was the fact that Sean Boylan was having to be ratified every year. I must say I'd forgotten about this, or maybe I never knew it, but there was no such thing as a two or three year term, which we see now with all managers really. They usually get at least two years, or they get maybe three years with a review after two. But Sean Boylan was having to be ratified every year, even when Meath were winning all Ireland, which is extraordinary when you think about it. Of course, he was getting back in unchallenged for so many years. It was only towards the latter part of his time in charge of Meath where Eamon Barry ran against him and, of course, eventually got the job in 2005. And that period from uh, Eamon Barry taking the job on into 2006 is what we'll be talking about next week. I'll be joined by Colin Keyes of the Irish Independent, who covered much of the controversy, and there was plenty of that around the uh, appointment of Eamon Barry and then the immediate aftermath of it. And we'll also be talking to Kevin Riley and Brian Farrell will be back again to talk about the transition they felt as a player under a new manager after uh, Sean Boyle had been there for so long. Of course, Kevin and Brian both relatively new into the squad, but I'm sure they still have uh, plenty of thoughts on what changed and uh, really up and down year as well in terms of results. But we'll be talking about that in a little bit more detail next week. So do join us again next Friday. Another episode of After the Gold Rush will be available for you to download and listen to then. And do get in touch with myself, David Sheehan, David S Sport on Twitter if you want to uh, ask any questions or get in touch about anything at all to do with the podcast and we'll speak to you next week. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.